Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Tuesday Tips brought to you by the Hunt, Lift, Eat podcast. I'm running host this week. I'm Carter McKenzie and I'm here with Luke and John. What's going on, guys? What's going on? Hey, what's going on? Hey, I'm pumped to have you guys on here. Thanks for uh, meeting me on a Friday. I guess we're the lucky ones who can sneak away for you know a quick uh, recording here and talk about fly fishing. So... We're going to gear this Tuesday Tips episode all about fly fishing. Um, As we've added new new members to uh, Hot Lift Eat, we've kind of dipped into a little more, broadened our our bandwidth as far as our skills go. And now uh, we have, you know, a significant significant amount of uh, experience with regards to fishing, joining the team here. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it's hint, hint or hush, hush, but, you know, Hunt, Lift, Eat may be expanding into those waters in the nearby future, which would be pretty cool. Literally, not only figuratively. <laughs> See what yeah, I did there? I've been, waiting, I've been waiting to hear that. Yeah, man, it's pretty exciting, um, especially because, you know, I think I heard Steve Rinella say this once, but all all hunters fish, but not all fishermen hunt. So everybody dips into a couple different activities in the outdoors. But I'll get this one started. Um, I am probably the least experienced of these two folks on this episode uh, today as far as fly fishing. Um, So I'll start it off and then the tips will only get better from there. So the one thing, or probably the biggest thing that I've learned uh, fly fishing and my fly fishing experience really revolves around here in the North Georgia mountains. Um, The streams are tight. You have a lot of like overhead cover, like brush cover. Um, so casting is really hard. You don't have, it's not very forgiving. Uh, I get, I get flies stuck in the canopy, uh, like a lot. And we're fishing these creeks and rivers sometimes that you can just about jump across. There's not a lot of, uh, not a lot of forgiveness as far as casting goes. So you need to be on the ball there. So my tip is accuracy is better than distance. Uh, and that's just been learned by trial and error. Um, you don't necessarily, as bad as I want to be able to like rip a fly out 80 feet, it's not always, not always an applicable skill to have. It's badass. It looks badass. Like doing it in the driveway is pretty cool. Uh, but it's not always applicable to where you're fishing. So like here in North Georgia, you need to be able to get the fly where the fish are, right? So if you can drop your fly in that pool or in that eddy or float it down that riffle, uh, that's six, 10, 12 feet away. That's way more important than bombing it upstream. Uh, as far as, you know, if you want to actually catch fish, so accuracy way more important than distance. And then, uh, I guess, secondly, probably my biggest other biggest mistake other than punching flies into trees, uh, was hook setting. That's something I'm still learning and I'm still freaking garbage at it, man. Uh, I come from a bass fishing background where I just ripping have lips. It dude, ripping lips, man. Just like <laughs> I have like this vivid memory of my grandfather yelling at me to set the hook, set the hook. And you know, when you give these trout, you try to give them the beef, it's not always gonna, gonna pan out for you. Yeah. Um, so if, if you're not watching that line or if you're using an indicator, I guess, I don't know if that's, I don't even know if indicators are cool or not in fly fishing. That's how little I know. Not if you're fishing with me. <laughs> John says no. Okay. Yeah, not cool. Um, but you got to watch that line and watch for the take or you're going to miss it. It's not like uh, a b- big bass is going to come up and just slam it and take off and not as forgiving as bass. So 
uh, yeah, those are my two tips. So I'm going to turn it over to Luke. Luke, why don't you hit us with your tip this week? All right. So, so what I wanted to talk about is more, more geared towards beginners, people who, who want to get into, to fly fishing and, and just like anything else, any other hobby, it's overwhelming. There's a lot of stuff out there to, to take in. Um, and you start looking at, there's tons of different rods and reels and lines and leaders and flies and everything. Um, my tip is don't get caught up in the gear. Um, and and getting the name brand gear because that stuff is going to be more expensive um and and this is through personal experience Uh, when i first started i went out and bought me a sage rod that was way above my pay grade and skill level um and i went out with a buddy who pretty much has a a Cortland walmart special um fly rod package and he was just killing the trout. So my tip is just get get more comfortable with learning the river, learning the techniques, and not getting caught up in, in the gear. Um, that'll come later on as you become more, more experienced and learn more about fly fishing. Um, getting those nicer rods and nicer reels, those will be more appreciated once you gain the base knowledge of fly fishing. I'm um, guessing. Did you say it was called a sage? Yeah. yeah sage, uh, is that a pretty, top, pretty pricey, pretty pricey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <They're> pretty. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah. I think that setup cost me about 600 bucks. Golly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you so, cast them and they're like butter and you're like, Ooh, oh, really? okay, I see why. Yeah. You're not, so you're not the bad caster. You're like, this is just making my bad casting worse. Right. 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 So it, cool. it's all, it's awesome. Like, I mean, obviously buying name brands they have quality behind them but when you're learning the basics the basic gear is all you really need um i also my dad gave me a 30 year old fly fishing rod that he is had used twice and that was my first rod um that i learned on and i still catch fish on that rod today so it's um don't don't uh feel like you need to go out and buy the most expensive coolest gear right away um, just focus on learning the basics, the techniques, um, learning the set hook, learning um, basic fly knowledge or entomology. Um, you don't even have to get that scientific with it. But um, that kind of goes into the second tip, and um, I hope I have no time for that. Yeah, um, man, let it rip. It's just learning learning to, to read your water. Uh, here where I'm at in New Mexico – I fish mainly for trout (laughs) and um, so trout, I know trout like transitions in water. So wherever you see a seam of water, uh, wherever there's a a transition from a slow moving water into a rapid and back into like a long, slow run, that's where you know the the trout are going to be. So look for transitions in the water. And that's where you're going to find find your trout because that's where the most food's going to be for them. Um, that's where it's getting stirred up on the bottom. And um, let's see, what else about that? Anybody else got, got anything to build on that? What you got, John? I actually had a question for you, Carter. Yeah, ma'am. What size rod are you fishing those Georgia mountains with? Like uh, so, weight-wise. That's a great question. Because I don't know. I don't own a fly rod. 
Send me. Oh, because I get to go with, I guess a good tip for beginners is go with a mentor and a mentor who has two rods and a mentor yeah. who knows how to rig fly rods because yep. I don't, it's a totally foreign, foreign subject to me. Um, I know there's weights for lines and I know eight weight is heavy. And then mm-hmm. that's about, that's about the limit I know yeah. for, uh, my fly fishing knowledge, but they're, they're small, man. And there's a lot of, I don't know, play or finesse yeah. in them, I guess I would say, but no, I don't know how to answer. Next time you get the hands on the rod, send me a picture. I'll let okay. you know. Yeah. But those, um, kind of tying it all together, those, the rod sizing, uh, getting that appropriate for the water that you're fishing is yeah. just as important. Uh, I agree with Luke. You don't need to go top end but you should be matching the weight of the rod appropriately with either the size of the fish or the size of the river. Cause there's nothing like going to what you think is a small river, but there's some variables like wind or the fish are on the far side of the bank and you need some, some muscle in that rod to get the line out and vice versa. It's a small, it's a small Georgia Creek where you have canopy cover. So there's not much wind influence, uh, an eight foot, six foot or six inch, two or three weights going to get, get you any fish in that Creek. Right. And it also helps with those hook sets. Cause you can be a little bit more aggressive with the lighter rods. Right. Better noodles. That's why I fish. I fish a two weight out here in Colorado. Okay. And that thing's amazing. Yeah. What, what, what uh, what fisheries do you fish there in Colorado? Uh, mostly the dreams. So most of the fishing is all along the South Platte and it's just chunks of the South Platte that get broken up between the reservoirs. Okay. Stream is a big place because it's an hour from me. Um, Let's see. There's Deckers, which is Cheeseman Canyon for most people. That's a pretty famous spot. I've heard heard a lot about Deckers. Yeah, that's a pretty good spot. Um, So Deckers is like the town, and then Cheeseman Canyon goes just upriver of the town. If you, it's a good hike. It's about three miles of public water, and it's a fun hiking. If you can get away from the crowds, it's a good good strip of water. And then there's making some plans to hit the Gunnison this spring once runoff hits. And uh, that's another thing for, I guess, I'll transition into my tip for the spring fishing. Once you get those runoffs, you're going to have to, you know, bring a heavier rod out when you're fishing for the same, you know, same fishery, same water, but you have more variables now. So you have to match your rod weight appropriately on the conditions and time of year that you're fishing. This may be a dumb question, but when you say runoff, you're talking like when snow starts melting and filling exactly. up the rivers. Okay. Yep. And yeah. it's applicable to the Great Lakes too, the snow runoff. Um, and I don't know how body of water really the runoff effects. Yeah. You're going to feel most, most water systems will have a, a pretty good runoff in the spring. Gotcha. That's sweet, man. What, uh, what tips you got for us, John? So I want to touch on two things um, with the spawning coming up, uh, the ethics around fishing for spawning trout and then trout handling in general. So in the springtime, the trout like to get their freak on and it's really fun to watch them do it because they hit in these little shallow, shallow pockets of water and they kick up the, kick up the gravel and they make these nice little reds that are very noticeable anywhere. Um, that you're fishing and you usually see the big bucks hanging out on them, capturing all the, the female attention. It's really um, enticing to try and fish for them, but please don't let them do their thing. 
fish for the fish that are up in the pools or fish below the reds because those are the active fish that are aggressively feeding on whatever's coming down from those reds. But if you see fish up on reds, just enjoy the sight and let them be. And then on top of it, if you happen to catch uh, pre-spawn trout especially, um, make sure your, your net is wet. Make sure when you go and touch them, your hands are wet. Gently hold them under the belly. Don't touch the, um, you know, uh, try to avoid touching the gill, the gills unless you plan on killing the fish. Uh, just general good fish handling techniques to make sure those fish can spawn and then uh, survive another year. I got you. So that's similar to bass fishing. Some people yep. here, you know, catching beds on, on or bass on beds is uh, frowned upon by a lot of folks around yeah. here. Like on yeah. Lake Lanier, it's like world-class uh, spotted bass fishing. So that translates. That makes sense. It's tempting. It I got to say, I've done it before. Yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've definitely done it before, too, when I was first starting out. And now I understand why a lot of, I got a lot of uh, dirty looks from some fishermen walking by. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. again, if you see it, too, on the river, give them a nice, friendly heads up. But sometimes people are just going to be assholes and catch fish that are doing their thing. There is a bit of a purist approach to fly fishing that seems pretty common. Yeah. You don't say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a sport where I know I'm better than you. Right. I'll right. Tell you how much I'm better than you. Right. Yeah. No, they, they, they'll make sure you know that they fly fish for sure. Exactly. It's, Luke it's like, with his sage rod out there, he's going to let everyone on that river know. That's he's right. Got a sage rod. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Pete when he's skiing, right? Yeah. Pete when he's skiing. <laughs> well, it, it kind of ties in, or maybe i don't know you tell me if it does or doesn't but it kind of seems like archery too like what archery is compared to rifle hunting yep exactly Exactly. you can make it it as expensive as you want right you can you can play the gear game right uh i've got this whatever i've got this riser i've got this release i've got this bow i've got these strings yep and and that's actually why i got into archery is i was a rifle hunter all my life till a couple of years ago, I started fly fishing and people started using that, that comparison. Like, Oh, archery's like fly fishing. So I was like, Hey, maybe I'll give it a try. I got into archery and now that's all I do. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. My experience were for, with fly fishing for a long time was just watching a river runs through it on VHS. <laughs> and I was like, that's pretty I still cool. Haven't seen that movie. No. Oh no. dude, it'll change your life, man. My life's been changed more times than I care to mention. <laughs> Fair enough, man. Well, you guys got anything else to wrap it up? Anything, Luke? Uh, no, they're actually the, I think all those are pretty good, uh, good pointers for somebody getting into fly fishing or um, somebody who's already into it and just might not know some of this stuff. Um, but I'm, I'm stoked that, that you guys, uh, HLEs, headed towards the the fishing side of things too because that's kind of where i feel like i shine a little more than than the typical hunters absolutely hell yeah man well we're happy to uh welcome you on the team luke and have your first podcast debut here yeah this is pretty awesome i was a little nervous about (laughs) it but (laughs) i'm sure this will be the most popular podcast that we ever put out i have full faith oh yeah me too (laughs) well awesome guys uh I guess that wraps it up this week. Um, listeners, if you uh, haven't already, it is not too late to join the HLE February Fitness Challenge. 
If you need the instructions on how to join, go to the HLE Instagram page at HuntLifty Official uh, and look back a couple posts on how to join. Um, still got half the month left. You have a lot of catching up to do, but you know it's never too late. And uh, thanks for joining this week, uh, John. Where can people find you on Instagram? At John J Hatton, H A T T O N, because everyone thinks I spell it with a P. I don't know how I enunciate it, but. <laughs> yeah, John J. Hatton. If you follow anyone on HLE, you'll probably see me uh, or I comment on all the posts too. So, yep. And Luke, where can people find you on Instagram? Yeah, on Instagram, it's going to be at Lucas the second. That's spelled L U C A S T H E, the number two N D. And that's where I post. Uh, you'll see nothing but just hunting and fishing stuff. So. That's awesome. We love it, man. All right, guys. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you all next week. See you guys.